Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Mark's Chip Nungler. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to see what's going on in the auction marketplace, use Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps 500 individual auction houses that report daily as to what's going on out there, and you can start to see trend lines develop. If you're interested in using that product, use Moving Iron at checkout and get yourself a discount. Also, Arrow CRM. If you're looking for a great tool to help your salespeople sell more stuff, check out Arrow at heyarrow.com. Chip is with Blue Roof Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and Chip's nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's been going on. Last couple of weeks, Chip and I have been playing uh, schedule tag here. We've been uh, back and forth, both of us being pretty busy with all the stuff going on. And Chip, man, take a look at the outside markets right now. They're getting beat up because it looks like one of uh, China's real estate companies might have actually not been a real thing at all. So how you been, bud? Yeah, doing well, Casey. It's... Uh... Interesting morning to talk here after a couple week uh, break of uh, you know a lot of travel and each of our schedules kind of not coinciding here, but uh, probably a good way to kick back off. We got harvest kind of picking up steam and the market's trying to figure out uh, are the yields as good as what the USDA has projected and there's a high amount of variability and that's what's kind of <clears throat> maybe getting some people thinking maybe that these yields are going to be a little bit disappointing. We had a a really hot. Um, dry end to the growing season in, in a lot of areas, uh, even here in the Eastern Corn Belt. And uh, so some some disappointment with some of these early corn yields. And that had, you know, a little bit of a, of a bounce built into the markets in here. And then the outside markets, as you mentioned, uh, kind of kind of more in the driver's seat uh, late last week. And then today, this morning, there's, uh, as you mentioned, a big uh, commercial and residential real estate company in China that announced uh, a week ago they've, they've got some financial problems. You're not going to be able to meet their bond payment, which I believe was scheduled for today, and they uh, officially missed that. So that in in my uh, econ 101 world, that's called a default, yep. and it really has the the Asian markets and Chinese markets uh, really getting beat up three to four percent losses here. It spilled over right now. The uh, uh, the Dow Jones uh, futures are down 622 points. Uh, crude oil's down 180. So it spilled over in just a 
kind of a general commodity contagion. The dollar's up a couple hundred points. And uh, that's all the excuse they need in the commodity world to sell this thing in the overnight. So they kind of beat things up again. You know, corn's down a dime, 10 and a half on the lows right now. Beans are down 13. Wheat's down eight. All the soft commodities, coffee, sugar, cocoa, getting beat up uh, on the lows right now. And so uh, that's what we're waking up to here uh, to start the week off. And, and I'm sure that will be some influence here. Um, it's the 20th of September on the 30th. Uh, so uh, next week, late next week, we've got the quarterly stocks report. That's uh, going to be a potential market mover. That's going to give us the final old crop 2020 carryout figures. And so that's very a very tough uh, report to try to predict or project. There's a lot of volatility uh, in those uh, quarterly stocks reports. And, and so that's going to be something along with harvest. It's eventually going to kind of stabilize this market and let people uh, you know, realize that Hey, even with big yields, we've got tight, tight stocks. But right now, the outside markets are are for sure overshadowing it. And yeah, I wouldn't say it's a crash, um, but it's certainly a little bit of a panicky feeling, and uh, certainly one of the biggest uh, corrections in the stock market that we've seen really for uh, for quite a while. It's not necessarily unhealthy in a lot of ways, but uh, you know, we're at uh, lows we haven't seen since. July, um, you know, we've been kind of making new all-time highs, it seems like, on a weekly basis in the stock market. So, put a little bit of a correction in here. We'll see how uh, how far that takes us. And right now, it's uh, all eyes on the outside markets. And unfortunately, it's uh, we're highly correlated right now until something, <clears throat> something, whether that's the September stocks report or then the October crop report coming out here. Uh, in a few weeks on the 12th of October will give us uh, an even better feel for what yields are. So we may be a little bit sloppy and volatile until we get some of these reports out of the way. So with the USDA um, coming out with what they had um, last month there, or earlier this month, I'm sorry, with uh, with the report that came out in the September report, what that looked like, um, all the, all of the, you know, the whole, all the traders and in in what trying to say here let's be clear the case all right start over here all right so with the, the report earlier this month that came out the trade is actually kind of putting all their eggs in the in, in the one basket that basically everything east of the mississippi is going to save save the universe here when it comes to corn and beans I guess as you take a look at what's going on right now with some spotty reports that I've gotten from from friends of mine that I've talked to um, out there, you know, they've either got it really, really good or they're kind of so-so. I mean, it's not like it's dismal by any means, but I've talked with several guys in Illinois where it's very spotty um, as far as what that the, the, the big numbers kind of look like, I guess. So I guess as you take a look at what's going on out there, Chip, what's your feel right now for um, kind of the eggs and all one in one basket approach to to the trade here yeah that's probably a good way of putting it um and i think the the key is going to come down to uh, kernel size and test weight as as a lot of times it always does in right. the september crop report they just use kind of historical <clears throat> average uh, ear weights and and soybean pod weights and then on the october report they actually um you know physically weigh them and so it's a much more accurate reflection. 
Here in the Eastern Corn Belt, um, it is highly variable. There are pockets that it's best ever. Um, you know, producers, uh, 250, 260, 280 type field averages. But then there's also uh, areas, uh, we had a lot of disease, a lot of black tar spot. We had a lot of wind issues, uh, way more wind uh, downed corn than we've had uh, maybe in 10 years. Um, and it was really a, a, a rapid maturity, right? We had a lot of sun, low relative humidity, and we went through stretches here. Even, even this past weekend was pretty high. You know, we've had a lot of days, uh, well over 90 in, in August and to start September off here. And it's really, uh, maturing the crop rapidly. And, and I, I think at the expense of some test weight, <clears throat> and, and I think a lot of producers, as they get into it, it's not a disaster. So you got to, it's, it's, it's hard to gauge this, right? So people saying, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's 220. It's 225. It's, it's maybe not even as good as a year ago, <clears throat> which is still good corn, but the expectations were as early as we got planted and we had, you know, decent timely rain that people would be out here, uh, you know, 260 to 280 averages. And it's just not, it's not that there is some of that out there. But it's it's highly variable, and in any year when you have that variability, just you know, if you listen to this and you're a farmer, you know exactly what uh, how this can be. You you start down a pass in the combine, it's going really well. Uh, you know, yield monitors pegged, it's great corn. You hit a little stretch where that falls off a hundred bushels, and your your final average drops so quickly. You know, pulls it down so quickly, and uh, and I think that's what we're seeing here. With it's not we're not able to just peg it to one issue. There's a lot of things out there, disease, um, uh, you know, wind, uh, producers really, uh, fought, uh, we fought the wind. We got timely rains, but with those rains this year, we had a lot more wind. You guys out there are used to it. You're like, yeah, what's well, a little, uh, you know, <laughs> rain, uh, hail and wind come right. with every rain you get, you know, that's not the way it is here east of the Mississippi. But this year, uh, there was a lot of that, a lot of hail, a lot of rain. And, and it, uh, it definitely is uh, affecting yields here. Um, so, I, you know, to your point, I think that's what the market's trying to figure out. You know, what, and as tight as the carryout is, just a couple, you know, two three bushel swing, one way or the other in corn and, and a bushel in beans, uh, really is a difference maker as far as what the eventual carryout is here. Yep. And so uh, that's kind of the stage we're in. Uh, is trying to get this market to figure out, all right, where are we at? What's the yield? Is the USDA close? Are the, do they have to ratchet that down a little bit? And, you know, again, we got a couple big reports uh, on the 30th of that quarterly stock. So that'll tell us the the final old crop carryout, which is, you could probably argue, could be a little bit friendly. There were, you know, right ahead of harvest in the days uh, and a couple weeks ahead of harvest starting here, there were ethanol plants that were bidding, you know, from a dollar ten to a dollar seventy over for old crop corn, so it, it literally kind of felt like we were out of corn almost. You know, all the elevators are, you know, there's no, there's no bushels around. All the bins are empty. Elevators are ready to go. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what that final carryout is for 2020. And then on October 12th, we kind of dial in that yield just a little bit more. And and so. The next, uh, what, three or four weeks here, we're going to get a lot more information along with some additional harvest uh, information. And, you know, that, that'll go a long way towards, A, kind of saying, all right, how low do we have to go for a potential harvest low? And B, 
uh, how high are we going to go on our normal post-harvest bounce? And, you know, in the short run, as you mentioned, and we talked about the outside markets are going to, you know, kind of uh, kind of dictate things here in the short run while the market's trying to feel feel out what what's the final yield. And, and, and then you've got demand issues as well. You know, how much is China going to take? There was a news story out this morning or overnight that, uh, you know, uh, in the month of uh, August, China took way more Brazilian beans than they did a year ago and way less U.S. beans. Uh, that doesn't necessarily have to mean that uh, that's the trend, but, uh, you know, the market's a little bit uh, nervous about Chinese demand, obviously, with COVID there and and these financial issues they're having. And so there's a lot of turmoil right now, and, and uh, that leads to choppy volatile markets like we've seen you know last week we started off with a tremendous rally in in corn and wheat and uh you know market bounced 30 plus cents off the lows in in corn and then you know outside market volatility hits and the dollar rallies and you know we give up a lot of those gains by the end of the week so <clears throat> this volatility is going to continue i think in the in the short run yep Let's talk about cattle and hogs here for just a little bit and what you see happening there. Um, cattle and hogs both have, have had their, their turmoil, turmoil here of late, but they're very uh, very choppy in, in both directions. So I guess talk about what you see happen in both those, both those sectors. Yeah, really, <clears throat> we've talked about this before. It's really kind of the exact opposite uh, in, in the case of, you know, comparing cattle to, to hogs. In the, in the case of cattle, um, you know, it's pretty well publicized. And well-known uh, drought that the that the western uh, you know northern plains and and far west uh, ha has seen you know some of the worst uh, pasture conditions that we've uh, seen uh, ever maybe or at least uh, for a long long time a lot of uh, heifer and cow liquidation and with that you would logically expect out in front of us that uh, the numbers are going to shrink and that's going to be friendly but the market kind of has that built in right that. I think some of those uh, additional, um, you know, amounts of, of of cow slaughter that we've seen has kind of held back the cash market a little bit. So you got the front end of the market here struggling to kind of be in the one twenty two, one twenty three range in the October live cattle, and um, you know that's where the cash is. But the deferreds, you know, you look out there and. February, April are up in the, you know, over 130 into the mid 130. So they're, they're kind of forecasting a, a better moves out there. So it's going to be hard. Not that we can't see that, but it's, they've already got it somewhat priced in exact opposite in hogs. You've got, um, you know, the lean index here, uh, just in the last week or so, you know, kind of broke back under a hundred and you've had the October, uh, lean hogs at a, uh, you know, a, 16 to 18 dollar discount to the lean index and you finally started to see um you know the october and even december hogs bounce a little bit because they're so far under the pricing in bearishness out there into the third and fourth quarters which is normally what we typically see bigger numbers out there in the hog market so you know it's 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 interesting because uh on the one hand on the cattle side you know the market expects uh, bullish things out way out ahead of us into in the winter and spring, and they're pricing that in. And now we're going to have to see that materialize to hold those those big numbers out there. And it's the opposite in hogs; they almost priced in 
possibly too much bearishness. And if we can see these, uh, you know, the lean index and the cash market stabilize a little bit, then the deferred uh, lean lean hog futures are way too low, and they'll come snapping back. So, very interesting dynamics in the in the livestock markets, and and uh, you know, again, the outside markets um, are going to influence us today for sure. I, I wouldn't think it's going to do. Uh, the cattle market any any favors here with what's happening in the outside markets and the in the commodity world in general but um you know bigger picture we we should be seasonally at a time frame where you get into you know the the tail end of the year here and into winter that uh, better things start happening and, and you can kind of argue that maybe the numbers start shrinking a little bit and we start getting a little more bullish out there but uh it, it's somewhat priced in because we're eight, nine dollars ahead of where the cash in, in October live cattle futures contract is currently sitting. So interesting dynamics there. Yep, absolutely. Well, a lot of stuff going on here, Chip. There's a million moving parts and a lot of news to pay attention to and all that affects your plan. So if folks are working on a plan or just starting to uh, go down the path of building that plan for what's coming up here in the next year, next year's marketing plan. Uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you and, and the guys over there at, at Blue Reef? Yeah, best way is just call our office. It's 309-550-7213. <clears throat> and that's a great point, uh, Casey. We didn't even talk about that. We could do a whole whole podcast on that. This input thing yeah. for 2022 is just going haywire. Going um, and, and so you, you it's more important than ever to have that plan out there. $5 December 22 corn futures looks good on paper, but boy, you... If you've done much uh, investigating or pricing actual inputs, nitrogen fertilizer for next year, it's it's haywire and uh, it's definitely going to affect things. And the, the scary thing about that chip right now, I mean, it, it's crazy now. I can't imagine when it's going to be like come, you know, December, January, February timeframe. It, it just these these shortages and these uh, logistical challenges that we're having right now are just are just pounding everything that we have here in the United States as far as supply chain goes. Yeah, there's no question, and 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 it's. Uh, I read a story here recently that uh, a couple smart people saying that's probably 12 to 18 months at a minimum before that <clears throat> kind of gets back to normal, whatever normal is again. And so it's not going to be a two week fix. You know, I read recently there's 60 some container ships waiting to unload uh, at the port in uh, Los Angeles. So we got we got some some big issues out there. Yeah, we have some very big issues that we need to overcome, and uh, it's just about the time you think we saw that crazy thing about this. You know, like in, during during the shutdown, ag had a really good run. You know, we had we had a lot of good things happening. It feels like now we're kind of getting that backlash um, that a lot of other industries felt during the during the shutdown. So it's a it's a tough place to be right now, especially in it, like you said it's 12 to 18 months out and you just got to pay attention to what you have and work on that plan while you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and having that plan is important. I really think it could really affect corn acres um, negatively <clears throat> and, and, and maybe uh, negatively meaning less corn acres and possibly more bean acres. I, I have people in Illinois and Indiana already talking about that, right. On on good, you know, 230, 40 bushel corn ground, Hey, uh, you know, uh, I'm going back to beans on this or more beans. And so if they're talking about it right now in the I states, this thing is, it's, 
we haven't even heard the last of it or, or, or even the start of it. So it's, it's definitely going to be something that uh, you want to plan for and be, be nimble around as far as these inputs go. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Chef, for being on the podcast, man. You bet. Talk to you soon, Casey. All right, great. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com, and you'll find all the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, the entire cat, uh, catalog of the Moving Iron Podcast, and blogs as well. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Chip Nellinger. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.